This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Flames and Senators 1-1 after 1 in the first. No score Coyotes and Predators. No score Panthers and Wild. Red Wings at Canucks starts at 8. Sabres and Kings goes at 8.30 Mountain Time. Currently in the Pacific Division. Vegas 68 points. Seattle and Edmonton and Los Angeles 65. Calgary has 60 Calgary uh, tied with Minnesota for the last wildcard spot, but Minnesota with a better points percentage. So right now, they're in there. Very close, very entertaining. The Oilers, quite frankly, terrible yesterday against Montreal. First regulation loss since January 9th at Los Angeles. They had gone 9-0-2 between regulation losses. Before we get to a very special guest, uh, 780-496-0063, We'll try to get to as many as possible between now and 8 o'clock because I, I know this topic has, uh, has interested people. Eric Carlson. What do we have, Kellen? Oh, first one is from Jordan Stramus on the line. Oh, like most Stramus, it's Dave. Jordan Stramus. Wow, Jordan, so that's awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, he says, hey, Reed, what do you think? Boosh, Yamo, JP, and a 2024 first for EK, Eric Carlson, at 50% retained. That's from Jordan Stramus. Uh, if I were the Sharks, I would, I, I might need a little different combination, but that's that's a good start. Mm-hmm. And uh, an unknown text uh, here says that they would rather see a relatively quiet trade deadline for the Oilers. They don't think this current Oilers roster is Stanley Cup ready, but they would rather see the Oilers build this season and make some solid acquisitions in the offseason. The Oilers have some questionable contracts and contract obligations on the books. I would hate to see the Oilers handcuffed financially just to acquire Eric Carlson. Yeah, those are good comments. I guess, my, and this, and again, we can go back and forth on this, and, and this is why I find it so interesting, because even my own mind, I go back and forth. That person said the Oilers roster is not Stanley Cup ready. My counter to that is we've kind of been saying that now for the last two or three years. You know what? They're, they're almost there. They're almost there. Let's just wait and see. So, but if you get Eric Carlson, how, how it, the all? I guess you can always say almost there until you get there. If you get Eric Carlson, the almost is written in a lot smaller letters. You know, like I, I do think, and, and look, I I know I, I do believe you have to be patient. I do believe managers have to be patient. I think you have to be patient with young players. I mean, two and a half months ago, I was getting people. I, well, I'm not saying a lot of people, but I had some messages. Broberg's never going to pan out. He's no good. What a stupid pick. They should have taken Zegras. All this type of stuff. I'm getting less of that now. But I, I'm also saying, at, at what point do you say, okay? We can part with a couple of prospects or draft picks because Eric Carlson might just put us over the top. If, if we get Eric Carlson and no other contender does, what does that do for the team that already has these other guys on it? Speaking of winners, we got Jed Roberts on the line. Jed, how are you doing? I'm good. You? Good. I'm enjoying. What, what do you think? I mean, I know you follow the orders. You know the NHL too. Like, would you, would you bite the bullet and say, fine, San Jose, what do you want? Well, you know what? Like, uh, You've only got this window with uh, McDavid and Drysaddle for so long, and you don't want to be, you know, left holding the bag there, you know, after two rounds thinking, man, we should have pulled the trigger on that deal. So, I mean, in, in my mind, 
you've only got these guys for so long, right? And you've got to here and now. And if you're that close, why not make that move? Like, I, I'm not really particularly sentimental when it comes to that sort of thing. I mean, I used to be in the NFL fantasy draft room for that Hervey, and the two of us were ruthless. Like, we just started picks, picks left and right. We, it was always about improving, you know, putting the best combination of guys out there. And uh, I think that if you have a chance to get a guy like Carlson, man, absolutely, you get him. Yeah, I, I mean, him. and yeah. it's tough because of the money. And and the thing yeah. is, you need San Jose to retain at least something, right? So yeah, and that, that's, that's that's what it comes down to, right? Like I don't know. I mean, it sounds it seems kind of like Holland's pretty good at that sort of thing. And I, I would imagine there'll probably be a third team involved, or you know, who knows? There's lots of creative ways to get uh, around those uh, those financial, uh, you know barriers but you know it's, if nothing else it'll be interesting it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens i think they're pretty close i think that even if they didn't do that if they did something else this team is trending in the right direction i mean they're coming up on a really really tough stretch of games here it's going to be uh, we're going to find out what this team's made of because it's like 10 or 11 games where they get the leaps twice the bruins twice they get uh uh colorado they got Jets I mean, twice this is going to be the toughest uh, stretch of the games there and then it's all pacific games after that so uh, it's going to be fun man i'm a hockey fan i love it it's going to be interesting you know this is the best time of the year how many games have you gone to this year uh, i've gone to i think probably three or four um you know it's just it's just a fun team to watch you know they just uh you know like it's, you know, the one thing that I've really been impressed with is DRNA, man. Holy cow, man. Where were they hiding this kid, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he'd been there the whole time, but Clooney was going to come in there and be such a big physical guy. He was exactly what they needed. You know, this stay-at-home guy that was a bit of a traffic cop in front of the net and didn't let anybody, you know, get too comfortable in the crease. It's nice. It's nice to have that guy. That, that addresses the need. So that makes it a little bit more possible, I think, for the Oilers to look in a different direction, like maybe get a physical centerman to win face-offs or, you know, maybe go get that Carl that's a you know right shot d-man and, and a bit of quarterback on the power play already although we have some really good ones already i mean you can't say no to carlson he's having a career year so. yeah yeah it is it is going to be fun to watch and I, I like i said off top of the show usually i don't talk a lot about trade rumors because you could drive yourself crazy but closer to the deadline i'll talk more and i find the carlson one really interesting okay we'll, we'll circle back to that with uh with some listener feedback later on uh jed love having you on of course i always appreciate your time i will start w with the the big question about the super bowl was james bradbury guilty of defensive holding on the chiefs game winning drive well, yeah, I mean, he even told you, like he said it himself. Yeah, I held the guy. But the thing is, is what they do in the NFL is a little bit less, you know, they, they don't do it as much in the CFO because they call everything in the CFO, but at least past five yards. As far as contact between defenders and receivers is that the defender is going to do whatever he can to force the referee to make a decision. Now, does the referee normally make that decision with that time left in the game, in the Super Bowl, biggest game of the year with all that money riding on it? You know, that's pretty... That's debatable, right? Uh, but, yes, he did hold on to him. Was it enough to keep him from getting to where he wanted to go? Yeah, but I'd talk more a little bit about how the Chiefs set that play up because uh, early in the game they were running jet sweep, which is when the outside receiver runs motion back towards the formation. And they ran the ball or they faked like they were going to do like some play action off of that. And then they uh, they figured out what the Eagles were trying to do in their secondary in terms of like who they who they bring back and who they bring up on the other side of the formation to counter the addition of the uh, receiver coming back to their side of the field. 
And so that last, I mean, Andy Reid is probably the best play caller in the league in terms of like setting things up for later in the game. And he set that up early in the game by running fly sweep early in the game and then trying to see what the Eagles were going to do in their secondary to see how they respond to it. And then what they were doing is they were faking like they were running jet sweep, and that's what happened on that last play where they scored, is the guy faked like he was going to run into the formation on, on jet sweep motion, and then he broke out of that, and then he was all alone by himself and scored. So, And there's an Alberta connection to that. Pete Laborato, who's the head coach, for many years was also safety for the Edmonton Football Club, ran the jet sweep, and he taught Jim Harbaugh when he was the head coach of the 49ers how to run the jet sweep, and that's when they started running the jet sweep in the NFL was in 2011, 2010 with the 49ers. So it's fun to see that uh, some of those uh, concepts that you know we see here in high school, like almost every uh, minor football team here runs a variation of that jet sweep where they run their formation across the field. They either hand it off to them or they do play action and try to see what they can get. But that was a real chess game last night. You know, you wanted to see how the Chiefs were going to get those uh, two safeties rotating in and out of there to see if they could get some mismatches. And, boy, they practiced. you could tell they practiced for two weeks or maybe even longer than that to try to fool people into thinking that they were running motion when they were actually going to break out of that and come back out and do a route. Uh, they even had um, Kelsey running that motion toward the formation a couple of times and then they had him run double moves against man and made enough couple nice catches it was a fun game to watch last night i went over to trent brown's house former uh, safety with the edmonton football club and we both were just like just marveling at how incredible that game plan was that the chiefs i mean even down 10 points you had a feeling that uh, they might they might pull something out of their hat and they sure did jed i love how you explain that and and how a lot of people will focus on that call, but there was so much more going on in the second well, half. That, and that call, you know what he did was the receiver ran what he thought the defender thought he was going to run to the flat because he he was running that jet sweep back toward the formation. So the, the defender ran with him and then he stopped on a dime, which I mean, there's not an easy thing to do. You're running full speed toward the formation. The ball snaps. He stops, turns back, goes as if he's going to go out toward the flat, which is toward the sideline. And then he jumped it. And then that's when he got his hand around his waist. And then he ran what's called a wheel, which ran up toward the, the field, toward the end zone. And that's when he, he drew the penalty. I mean, that's, they practiced that. And that's the reason why they practiced it. A, he's either going to get a mismatch or have the guy out leveraged and, and have some space to make a play because there's nobody else near him. There's, the nearest guy is probably 15 yards away on the goal line. There's probably a safety with his heels on the goal line. And the other option is that the guy's going to pull him down and try to try to you know get a hold of his jersey to slow him down, and that's exactly what happened. And then it's on the referee to choose whether or not he wants to to make a whole bunch of people in the world angry, and that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, well, that's a good way to put it. But I, I know my my colleague Rob Brown, who I, you know I work with. Yeah. He, I, I, I just briefly texted him after the game. I mean, he didn't say this to me, but I know when I see him on Wednesday, he's going to tell me this. He, he said, look, he's going to say, look, you can talk about the ref all you want, but the Eagles put themselves in a position where they could lose the game on an iffy call. Cause they did. Yeah. They, they did, right? Because, I mean, hey, they were rough. At, they, but like you said, the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles didn't do much in the second half except for that long bomb to Smith. And granted, the they, they had to make the, the play. But yeah. yeah. They, you know, and they had, the Eagles had that long, what did they have, the longest drive in Super Bowl history? And they kicked the field goal. 
You know, like they didn't go for six at the end of the first half. Like there, there was a couple of things that happened there in the game where, you know, that's going to come back to haunt him. And I said to Trent, I said, Trent, it'll be the defense that makes a big play in the game at some point that wins the game. And sure enough, but it was because, and quite frankly, Jalen Hurts quite literally dropped the ball and lost the game. That's it. You know, it wasn't anything the defense did. He just was switching hands and the ball came out, you know, and that's it. That's the game. And that's the thing about a, a game like that when you've got two evenly matched teams like that. Often, quite often, it's just the one mistake that just comes back to haunt you, you know. And I thought it was going to be the Chiefs missing that extra point, you know, or the, uh, the, the, the field, field goal, goal that hit the upright. You know, yeah. I thought that was going to be, and, th- and it was there for a while, but, you know, the thing about the, the Eagles, I couldn't understand why the Eagles were playing so. Uh, they just seemed like they were really comfortable to let Mahomes kind of operate and wait to see if Mahomes was going to make a mistake. A quarterback like Mahomes doesn't make mistakes. He's like Brady. He's going to, you know, if you let him be too comfortable, especially on a hobble wheel, you know, like you got to bring something. You got to make, you got to challenge him a little bit. I didn't feel like the Eagles did that. I think the Eagles played right into what uh, Andy Reid was trying to do is to out leverage them on that, the play side, wherever they wanted to throw the ball. They always had a mismatch. There were always one more person over there, and they ran the ball better than the the uh, the Chiefs ran the ball better than the Eagles did. You know, the Eagles. I think their uh, leading rusher rusher was a quarterback, and I don't think anybody yeah, else was had leading rusher. Yards. Yep. Yeah, so and that was under pressure. That was only because a couple of times their uh, contain didn't. Uh, stay outside you know he let him get outside and broke contain i think there was a a player or two there where the, the linebacker bolton or whatever his name is there he uh, played too shallow wasn't playing from depth and when he was the spy there hurts made him pay but that was a great game man i mean you can't ask for more i mean the people are yelling about it being scripted and stuff but you know what if you don't want to if you don't want the referee to make the call don't don't hold the guy and the guy even admitted to it i mean it wasn't yeah. egregious but it was enough that it, it maybe altered the guy's you know path to the ball but we'll debate that until the cows come home i'm sure yeah but i mean they're all there always could be something right i mean yeah there always could be i mean chiefs fans even though to me it was obvious they're probably saying they should have had a second defensive touchdown on the throw into the flat right that yeah, was and bang, i actually bang. thought that was a touchdown i i really did i i mean but you know what we're splitting hairs we're sitting at home you know eating pizza and you know, <laughs> everything happens on that <laughs> Instant replay makes it look like it, but it actually it's just a, a drop of a hat. And I, there were a couple of incredibly athletic plays made by each team that, you know, I just was shaking my head. You really can't ask for more. I mean, I can see why people think it's scripted because, man, you know, they went back and forth and were right down to the last. I, I'll tell you what, not not enough people are talking about this. And I told Trent, I said, I bet you McKinnon makes a huge play or scores the winning touchdown. But he was the guy that was smart enough to drop down to a knee on the one-yard line so they could run the clock out. I mean, that was one of the most brilliant plays I've ever seen. The most, Probably the most intellectual play I've ever seen. I don't know who told him to do that. Maybe they told him to do that before the game. Like, you know, don't 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 score. Take it down on the one. We'll burn the clock down. We'll kick a field goal. We'll win the game. And that's pretty. That's pretty nervy. Yeah. Can't say what I want to say, but that was that was pretty nervy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't see that very very often. That that was amazing. That was uh, that's just the guys knowing the rules of the game and knowing how the the ebb and the flow. And, and just clock management, man. I mean, it was just fun to watch. That was—I uh, actually was more impressed with this Super Bowl win that the Chiefs had than their first one. That was incredible. Yeah. All right, Jet. I, I wish we had more time, but I, I love how you, you break it down for us uh, as well. I know you'll be keeping an eye on uh, free agency tomorrow because all these rumored deals are now going to be announced uh, for for real. And sounds like the Elks might be getting some good receivers, which is pretty cool. Hey, let's talk soon, and hopefully, uh, come see me in Studio 99 the next time you're at an Oilers game. Okay. Will do, buddy. Will do. Thank you.
That is Jed Roberts checking in, former uh, member of the Double E football team, 1993 Grey Cup champion. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about that call, and we will, but the, the defensive back himself says uh, he, he held on the play, and, and Jed broke it down. The, the Chiefs were running plays that they set up by things they did earlier in the game, and the Eagles didn't adapt to them, and, and that's why they outscored Philly 24-11 in the, uh, in the second half. 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Whenever you've needed us, federal public service workers have been here for Canada. We delivered the services you rely on through this crisis and the next. But for nearly two years, we've been on the front lines without a contract. That's a big problem because while the government stalls on making things right, we all pay the price. Workers can't wait. None of us can. Learn more at workerscantwait.ca. A message from the Public Service Alliance of Canada. Insightful conversation, Canadian voices, and a little bit of late-night fun. Come and be part of this community when we light the shift head dumpster fire one more time. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, so uh, here is the uh, clip Jed was referring to. Eagles uh, defensive back James Bradbury saying he wasn't surprised he was called for holding. Pulled the jersey, you know, they called holding. I was hoping they would let it rock, you know, but it was a hold. All right. Now, I also uh, just borrowed slash stole this uh, from a clip from the Dan Patrick show today. Dean Blandino is the former NFL director of officiating. To me, it's it's hard to sit there and watch James Bradbury grab the jersey and say that's not a foul. I mean, there's no way I can sit here and say it's not a foul for holding. And uh, and if it's a foul in the first quarter, it has to be a foul in the fourth quarter. You want to be consistent. You don't want your officials to be officiating the 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 situation. They have to they have to compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm going to officiate this play. And if there's a foul, I have to call it. But again, I think we we just we all felt, myself included as a fan, is if I'm wondering if he doesn't throw the flag in that situation, are we even talking about that play? It's one of probably not. But when you watch the replay and you see the jersey grab, that by rule is a foul. Yeah, I, I like how he put that. If if there's no foul on that play, are are they showing that and saying, oh, this should have been called? I think it's an iffy call. When I first saw it, now. When we when they were showing the replays initially and Greg Olson was complaining about it, I was looking more at the left hand. And then, you know, there are the replays that show the right hand was there was definitely a tug. I, I, Tom Higgins was on the show a few years ago after he'd been the CFL's director of officiating. And, and he said sometimes coaches would complain to him, you know, the day after the game, the weekend after games. OK, well, this this should have been a call. This should have been a call. And he would say to them, OK, the speed limit is 100. Should you get a ticket if you're going 102 or 103? And most of the coaches said no. So Tom said, well, sometimes we let the players go go two miles or kilometers over the, the speed limit. To me, that's kind of what happened on that play. But as Blandino said, when you see it, it, it was a hold. The, the officials are throwing the flag immediately. They're not waiting to see where the ball goes or how far or if it's overthrown or anything like that. 
But as Jed Roberts pointed out, and as as I would agree, the Chiefs dominated the second half, and they were the and they were in the position to take a three point lead with less than two minutes remaining, anyway, in that situation. And then they were able to execute some plays that the Eagles quite simply quite simply couldn't figure out. I mean, they they ran the same offensive play with that jet sweep that. Uh, Jed was describing, you know, on that play, but, but the two plays they got touchdowns on were very sim uh, similar, and the Eagles couldn't figure it out. Brendan Escott, by the way, uh, of all the predictions we took, and nobody gets the canned ham of our uh, 14 Inside Sports listener. Nobody nailed the winner and the final score. Brendan Escott, producer of Oilers Now here on 630 Chet, was the closest of anybody. He had KC 38, Eagles 34. So he missed by a point. So that was pretty good. Thank you.